Ralph, can I get you to turn on that light? Thank you. Um, tonight we're going to be in Genesis chapters 42 through 45. And so I told you in Sunday. class and some of you chose to come back anyways um, so um, we're gonna try and go quickly it, 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 believe it or not my notes are only about you know five lines more than for this morning so it's not not too bad hopefully all right um, Genesis 42 through 45 is a long story and I think it really has one big big idea that it's seeking to communicate and that is that the good that is in God's plans the good in God's plans. And so the big idea, I think, if you were to summarize these four chapters is that the believer's trials are for his ultimate good. The believer's trials are for his ultimate good. Um, due to the length of the passage, I'm going to try to read it as we go instead of reading the whole thing. And then trying to draw your attention to various parts um, when we're let's go before God's throne and ask Him to guide our time and to help us to be um, even in the midst of the trials that we go through in this life that. pray that we would be willing to for our good in your name the slave he's worked for Potiphar of Egypt. And I, I really do believe that Jacob realizes that there is a problem. And the problem is that this Middle East. You would take your Bibles and let's read those first few verses. When Jacob saw that there was no was grain in go down to that place and buy for us that we may live and not die. To Joseph's territory, Joseph is going to accuse his brothers of. are honest men. We are good men. But my definition of honest and their definition of honest must be different. Because people that sell their brother into slavery Right? Let's let's look at the text and just see how all this works. Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers. For he said, Lest some for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was governor over the land, and it was he who sold to all Joseph saw his brothers <clears throat> Then he said to them, Where do you get dreamed about them and said to them, You are spies. 
try and exploit them. In Um, your servants are twelve brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. In fact, the youngest is with <laughs> He's right there with them. And so Joseph is going to establish a test. And this test is going to see what these brothers really are like. Has the past few years change them. These men sold them into slavery. And so the question is, are these guys changed? Are they different? And so Joseph begins to set up this grand test as I spoke to you saying you are spies in this manner you shall be tested by the life of Pharaoh you shall not ten that are here and let him go and bring your youngest brother and you by the life of Pharaoh um, therefore this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them. It's almost like uh, Reuben's like trying to, you know, weasel his way out of being the one that's left in the prison, right? He's like, did I not speak to you saying, do not sin against the boy and you would not listen. Therefore, behold, his blood is now required of us. But they did not know that Joseph understood them for he spoke to them through an interpreter and he turned himself away from them and wept. Then he returned to them again and talked with them. And he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. This is very much like what they've already seen happen 20 years ago, right? They have Joseph. They pull him out of the pit. And they hand him over to the slave traders. And what do they do? They're going to tie the kid up. And then they're going to haul him off. And so the nine brothers now are watching the same thing happen to their brothers. And they're being sent home. And their brother is bound up. And as Joseph's going to work his way even more, he's going to have more and more of this actually really kind of parallel his own situation. And so the brothers head back home. And Joseph, in verse 25, is going to command his servants how they're supposed to deal with the brothers before they head back home. Then Joseph gave a command to fill their sacks with grain, to restore every man's money to his sack, and to give them provisions for the journey. Thus he did for them. So they loaded their donkeys with the grain and departed from there. But as one of them opened his sack to give his donkey feed at the encampment, he saw his money, and there it was in the mouth of his sack. So he said to his brothers, My money has been restored, and there it is in my sack. Then their hearts failed them, and they were afraid and saying to one another, what is this that God has done to us? Once again, another illustration of the fact that these brothers are being changed. They're seeing their heart. They're being convicted for their own sin. But it's interesting. What is their response when they get their dad? Is their response to come clean and tell their dad about all their sinfulness and be like, this is what we've done. We are so horrible. Please forgive us. No. When they get before their dad, they're still not giving the dad all the details. They don't really tell the dad about being imprisoned. They just tell about Simeon. It's just they're not giving the full details. And so they're not fully come to the point where they're truly fully repentant. Then they went to, their, to Jacob, their father in the land of Canaan, verse 29, and told him all that had happened to them, saying, The man who is lord of the land spoke roughly to us and took us for spies of the country but he said we said to him we are honest men we are not spies we are 12 brothers sons of your father one is no more and the youngest is with your father this day in the land of canaan then the man the lord of the country said to us by this i will know that you are honest men leave one of your brothers here with me 
Take food for the famine of your households and be gone. And bring your youngest brother to me, so I shall know that you are not spies, but that you are honest men. I will grant your brother to you, and you may trade in the land. Then it happened as they emptied their sacks that surprisingly each man's bundle of money was in his sacks. And when they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob, their father, said to them, You have bereaved me. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. And you want to take Benjamin. All these things are against To go meet his brothers. All of a sudden, Joseph is no more. And the brothers all have extra cash, right? And then 20 years later, the brothers come back after being... And Jacob's like, right. Okay. But it's being, they're being tested. They're honest right here, to a certain extent. They're not telling the full thing, right? But they're, they're honest about the cash. They didn't do anything. That's not where the cash came from. is going to start making some pretty absurd recommendations back to you. Put him in my hands and I will bring him back to you. But he said to him, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead and he is left alone. If any calamity should befall him along the way in which you go, then you would bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave. The brothers account the situation to the father, and Reuben is seeking to earn favor with his dad, and Jacob is like, nobody's going. Maybe the famine will go away, and we'll be able to eat, but for now, we have food. Nobody's going anywhere. Chapter 43 resumes, and the famine is still going to be another five years. The famine's not going anywhere anytime soon. And Judah begins, or Jacob begins to talk to Judah. And he's like, um, you guys need to go get food. Verse 1. Now the famine was severe in the land. And it came to pass when they had eaten up the grain which they had brought from Egypt, that their father said to them, go back, buy us a little food. But Judah spoke to him, saying, the man solemnly warned us, saying, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you send our brother with us, we will go down and buy your food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. And Israel said, Why did you deal so wrongfully with me? I said, Tell the man whether you had still another brother. But they said, The man asked us pointedly, about ourselves and about our family saying is your father still alive have you any brothers and we told them according to these words remember he's they've been accused of being spies and Joseph wants to know about his family and so he's asking really pointed questions trying to gather information about his family and these guys are you know feeling like they're being interrogated by you know a police officer and they're like trying to provide as much information to try and make it as clear as possible that we are honest men we don't want to spend the rest of our life in prison and, and so they feel justified they feel like they're trying to prove themselves as honest men could we possibly have known that he would say bring your brother down then Judah said to Israel his father send the lad with me and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and you and also our little ones. I myself will be surety for him. From my hand you shall require him, if I do not bring him back to you and set him before you. Then let me bear the blame forever. For if we had not lingered, surely by now we would have returned the second time. And you're beginning to see that change that we talked about in Judah. Right? If you remember in in. Genesis chapter 39, what happens? Judah fails to live by faith. And Judah disobeys, and he doesn't live by faith. And Tamar acts like she's a prostitute 
And everybody thinks that she is unrighteous, that she has done wickedly. And Judah initially hears it, and he's like, yep, she's unrighteous, go burn her. And Tamar says, here are these items, take them to Judah and ask him whose these are, because the man who owns these, that's the guy whose child I bear. And she brings those, and he sees those items. So what does he say? She is more righteous than I am. That's a turning point in Judah. Judah is beginning to learn to walk by faith, beginning to learn to live by faith. And so he's changing. And you're still seeing that change, that growth in him here. He's willing to stand up for his brother. He's willing to protect his brother. And you're going to see that continue as he's the spokesman for him and his brothers. You're going to see that growth, that change of character that is going to be worked about in this brother. And so Judah passionately responds to Jacob's plea for additional grain. And Jacob sends gifts depending on God's mercy to protect them. Verses 11 and following. And their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best fruits of the land in your vessels and carry down a present for the man. A little balm, a little honey, spices and myrrh, pistachio nuts and almonds. Take double money in your hand. And take back in your hand the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Take your brother also and arise. Go back to the man. And may God Almighty give you mercy before the man, that he may release your other brother and Benjamin. If I am bereaved, I am bereaved. And so he sends them back. And when they get there, Joseph warmly welcomes the brothers with a feast. They take the present and they took the double money in their hand and arose and went down to Egypt and they stood before Joseph. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of the house, Take these men to my home and slaughter an animal and make ready, for these men will dine with me at noon. Then the, men did, the man did as Joseph ordered, and the man brought the men into Joseph's house. Now the men were afraid because they were brought into Joseph's house and they said, Is it because of the money which was returned in our sacks the first time that we had brought we are brought in, so that he may make a case against us and seize us to take us as slaves with our donkeys? Then they drew near to the steward of Joseph's house. They talked with him at the door of the house and said, Oh sir, we indeed came down the first time to buy food. But it happened when we came to the encampment that we opened our sacks and there each man's money was in the mouth of his sack and our money in full weight. So we have brought it back in our hand and we have brought down other money in our hand to buy food. We do not know who put our money in our sacks. And the steward responds and he says, peace be with you. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has given you treasures in your sacks. I had your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. And so he responds, he responds kindly, and he points to God's mercy as the gracious provider. Joseph then comes in and he meets with his brother. And as he meets with his brothers, what is he doing? He's still seeking to test their character. It's one thing for them all to be buddy-buddy with each other, right? Because Rachel is the favored wife. And Rachel's two boys, Joseph and Benjamin, are the favored sons. They're the sons that are loved. The other ten are from the other wives, and they're all kind of, you know, their own clan, and they can kind of stick together. So the fact that they came back for Simeon, well, that's nice and great, but does it really point to a change in their character? Are these people really changed? Or is it just because he's part of their, their inner circle? How will, how will they respond if he obviously shows favoritism to Benjamin? Will their character be proven to have really changed? And so this is what he's going to start to do. And as he provides for his guests, he's going to provide abundantly and beyond what he does for Benjamin. 
So he comes in. The man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water. And they washed their feet and he gave the donkeys feed. Then they made the present ready for Joseph's coming at noon. For they heard that they would eat bread there. And when Joseph came home, they brought him the present which was in their hand into the house and bowed down before him to the earth. And then he asked them about their well-being and said, Is your father well, the old man of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? And they answered, Your servant, our father, is in good health. He is still alive. And they bowed their heads down and prostrated themselves. Then he lifted his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your younger brother of whom you spoke to me? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Now his heart yearned for his brother. So Joseph made haste and sought somewhere to weep. And he went into his chamber and wept there. Then he washed his face and came out. He restrained himself and said, Serve the bread. And as they bring the bread, what happens? They're all seated according to age. And the youngest one of them all gets way more food than everybody else. Now this is a feast, so it's not like, you know, it's not like anybody was going hungry, okay? But the idea is, like, if you like lots of lobster, like, he had lots of lobster. You know, you might have to choose to eat steak instead of the lobster. You know, that's the... He had lots and lots of food. He could have chosen from anything that was set before him. Verse 32. So they set him a place by himself, and them by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with them by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews, for this is an abomination to the Egyptians. They sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked in astonishment at one another. Then he took servings to them from before him. But Benjamin's serving was five times as much as any of theirs. So they drank and were merry with him. I mean, this is not what the brothers were expecting. You know, they're expecting judgment for their past action. That's what they've been expecting. As they've opened up, as they've seen different things, as they experienced the imprisonment, what are they saying? God is going to get us for what we did to our brother. They open up and they see their money as they're journeying back to Jacob. And what do they say? God's going to get us. And they're afraid to go back. Why? Because God's going to get us. And here they are eating drinking, being merry. They wake up, probably have a hangover the next day. <laughs> I mean, they're drinking, okay? You know? And they're making merry. So, um, they wake up. And what are they going to do? Verse 44, or chapter 44. Joseph commands, and the test is going to continue, okay? So he's tested if I... ...retaliate against Benjamin in some way. And now, what if I try to punish Benjamin? Will they care? Will they leave Benjamin like they left me? Okay? And he commanded the steward of the house, saying, Fill the man's sacks with food, as much as they can carry, and put each man's money in the mouth of the sack. Also put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest, and his grain money. So he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. As soon as the morning dawned, the men were sent away, they and their donkeys. When they had gone out of the city and were not yet far off, Joseph said to the steward, Get up, follow the men. And when you overtake them, say to them, why have you repaid evil for good? Is not this the one from which my Lord drinks and with which he indeed practices divination? You have done evil in so doing. You can just imagine, okay, there's, there's three main banquet tables, right? The Egyptians have theirs over in this corner. You guys get to be the Egyptians. You guys get to be the 12, 11 brothers. And you're going to be a, a, a Joseph's table, right, okay? So that everybody here, especially the, the brothers, have seen this cup. This is the whole night as they're partying, made it a point to, you know, have this cup front and center. So that when it comes up, 
and they're asked about this cup, everybody knows what cup we're talking about. Nobody's sitting here going, I don't know what cup. They might be like, we don't have the cup, but everybody knows the cup. When the cup is seen in the youngest brother's sack, everybody knows that is the cup. And oh no, what are we gonna do? Because this has been, you know, last night was just, you know, getting ready for the next morning's events. And so they come, they confront them. He says, why have you done evil? Verse six, so he overtook them, he spoke to them these same words. And they said to him, why does my Lord say these things? Far be it from us, your servants, that we should do such a thing. Look, we brought back to you the land from the land of Canaan, the money which we found in the mouth of our sacks. How then could we steal silver or gold from your Lord's hand? With whomever of your servants it is found, let him die, and we also will be my Lord's slaves. I mean, you don't make a promise like that if you know that you're guilty, right? You only make a promise, and as you continue reading, you actually find out that they're like upping the ante. It's not recorded yet, but what the steward has said is, whoever we find the cup with is going to be a slave. That was the deal. The rest of you going to go home. But the one that the cup is found with, he's a slave. And the brother's like, no, we're up in the ante. The person you find the cup with dies, and the rest of us will be your slaves. Like, who bargains like that? <laughs> you know, that's not how you bargain in a court of law, right? You're not like, I'm so innocent that if I'm proven guilty, you can do worse things to me than you're suggesting. That's, that's a bad way to go into court. But that's what they do. And he responds in verse 10, Now also let it be according to your words. He with whom it is found shall be my slave, and you shall be blameless, i.e., you get to go home. Then each man speedily. was in Benjamin's sack. Then they tore their clothes and each man loaded his donkey and returned to the city. Once again, what are you seeing? You're seeing genuine remorse. You're seeing genuine sorrow at the situation that they're in. These are individuals who have changed. Because in Genesis 38, they're the ones that are making their brother a slave. And now the idea is, he's going to be a slave, and the rest of you are going to be free. It's the same thing that happened to Joseph. And their response is drastically different. And as Judah is going to speak and try to beseech... ...see that these men are changed. That through this trial, God has worked about change in his service. This has been a trying couple of months for Joseph's brothers. There's no way you can look at the situation and go, ah, it was a walk in a park for these brothers. You know, they weren't really too concerned. I mean, nothing else. Simeon didn't have it very easy in prison while his brothers and his dad squabbled about whether or not they're going back for him, right? And the rest of the brothers are probably, you know, pretty torn up by the fact that God's going to get us because that's why they don't want to go back. So they go before Joseph. So Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house and he was still there and they fell before him on the ground. And Joseph said to them, what deed is this that you have done? Did you not know that such a man as I could serve to be able to understand what's happened. But I knew as soon as you left that you guys were the culprits. And I knew who had stolen it. What shall we say to my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how shall we clear ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of your servants. Here we are, my Lord's slaves, both we and he also with whom the cup was found. And Joseph you, Go up in peace to your father. 
There is no peace in returning to the Father with the news that, oh, by the way, we're returning once again with all our money. And, and by the way, Benjamin's not here. And we have food. That's not peace. And you notice Judah's response continues to demonstrate that this trial has actually helped them to see their own iniquity and has caused them to change. It's brought about true repentance in their hearts. Judah's intercession on Benjamin's behalf in verses 18 and following. Then Judah came near to him and said, Oh my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's hearing and do not let your anger burn against your servant. For you are even like Pharaoh. My Lord asked the servant, saying, Have you a father or brother? And we said to my Lord, We have a brother, an old, we have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age, who is young. His brother is dead, and he alone is left of his brother's children. And his father loves him. Then you said to your servant, Bring him down to me, that I may set my eyes on him. And we said to my Lord, The lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. But you said to your servants, Unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you shall see my face no more. So it was, when we went up to your servant, my father, that we told him the words of my Lord, and our father said, Go back and buy us a little food. <clears throat> but we said, We cannot go down if our youngest brother is with me. If our youngest brother is with, we cannot go down if our youngest brother is with us. Then we will go down. For we may not see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Then your servant, my father, said to us, You know that my wife bore to me, bore me two sons, and the one went out from me. And I said, Surely he is torn in pieces, and I have not seen him since. But if you take this one also from me, and calamity befalls him, you shall bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave. And this is where the plea really comes in. This is what he wants. And it demonstrates the change that has brought, been brought about in Judah's heart. Judah is a changed man. And he's representing the change that this trial has worked about in all of his brothers. God has changed them. The trial has been for their good. Their eternal good. They are eternally changed. They're walking by faith. Something that these brothers have never done before. This is exciting. This is good news. Verse 30. Now therefore, when I came to your servant, my father, and the lad... When I come to your servant, my father, and the lad is not with us, since his life is bound up in the lad's life, it will happen when he sees that the lad is not with us, that he will die. So your servants will bring down the gray hair of your servant, our father, with sorrow to the grave. For your servant became surety for the lad to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father forever. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain Instead of the lad as a slave to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brothers. For how shall I go up to my father if the lad is not with me? Lest perhaps I see the evil that should come upon my father. I, he's saying, there is no peace in this idea that Benjamin stays in prison and I return to daddy. Daddy's not going to be happy with me. There is no peace there demonstrating his change. And Joseph sees this, and as he sees this, it demonstrates that trials develop and they prove our character. As these different things have occurred, we have seen the brothers' character developed. Right? As they march down, and as Initial response is to say, Whoa, God is in the midst of the situation. We have done wrong. And it's continued in 42 28 as they open up their money sacks 
and they say, what is this that God has done to us? And the fact that their character is developing is further seen in their response or lack of a response to Benjamin's excellent treatment at the feast. And their character is continued to be developed and shown to be growing and maturing in verse 13 when the cup is revealed to be in Benjamin's sack. What is their response? These are the brothers that were willing to sell the other brother of the loved wife into slavery. And now they're seeing the same thing happen to their youngest brother and their response is they tear their clothes and each man loaded his donkey and they returned to the city. And then in 44 verse 16 you continue to see it in Judah's words in his initial response to Joseph. God has found out the iniquity of your servants. Here we are, my Lord's slaves, both we and he also with whom the cup was found. This trial has developed the character of these brothers. These brothers are changed. They are different because of this trial. It's produced good. But it's also demonstrated that it's real change. And you see that in J Judah's speech, especially in verse 33, 34. Now, therefore, please let your servants remain instead of the lad. He's willing to take his brother's place. And what is Joseph's response to all of this as he watches? Joseph's now, at this point, going to really culminate the whole situation by, I think, really hammering home the theological idea that God uses trials for our good. For the brothers, it was the good of bringing about genuine change. People who failed to walk by faith, who did not heed God's word, are now pursuing righteousness. Now, now pursuing walking by faith, walking in obedience. They have been changed. That is good news. Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him, while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you have sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years the famine has been in the land. And there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and a lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. And what he's doing is he's saying, just like my tribe, because let's be honest, being away from home for 20 years, being accused of trying to rape your master's wife, being thrown into prison, and then finally for the last nine years having the most powerful position in Egypt, isn't really a bed of roses. Right? He says, God used that trial. God had a purpose in that trial to preserve life. And the idea that the brothers are supposed to get from that is the trials, the situations that you have gone through have also worked out something for your good as well. What I went through preserved life for people. You know, they got food. The trials that you went through, though, changed you in such a way that you are now 
righteous. You're walking by faith. You have been changed. Your motivations, your hopes, your dreams are drastically different from the men that I knew 20 years ago back in Canaan. God has used this trial in my life to provide for people. God has used this trial in your life to change you and to make you more like God. And the same thing is true about the trials that you and I face. God is using those trials, whether we ever understand them or not, to bring about some kind of good. You may never know how God is using these trials in your life to bring about his eternal good. But what you are required to do is you're required to look at the text and to say, this is what is being taught, that God uses trials and in his sovereign will and in his sovereign time and in his sovereign way, he uses those difficult situations to mold us and shape us and to make us into the people he wants us to be so that we can be fit choice servants of his. And so as you face trials, you don't back away and try to find a way out of the trial. I'm not saying try to find the trial. But as you go through the trial, you simply seek to live the next day by faith. Do the next thing you know that you're supposed to do. Live in obedience. Joseph introduces him and he acknowledges God's purpose in his trials. And so he continues on and he tells them, Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near to me, you and your children and your children's children, your flocks and your herds, and all that you have. There I will provide for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty, for there are still five years of famine. God's trial is going to allow me to provide for you too. And behold, your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is in my mouth that speaks to you. So you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen. And you shall hurry and bring my father down here. And then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept on his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. After that, his brothers talked with him. And Pharaoh, Joseph seems to encourage his brother. Oh, sorry. I'm not quite there yet. I missed did something in my notes. Um, Pharaoh's going to uh, ensure that Joseph is indeed provided for. Uh, brothers have come, so it pleased Pharaoh and his servants well. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, do this. Load your animals and depart. Go to the land of Canaan. Bring your father and your households and come to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you will eat the fat of the land. Now you are commanded to do this. Take carts out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and your wives. Bring your father and come. Also, do not be concerned about your goods for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. Hey, like here's a couple semis. You know, there's... 70-something of you. Take about 10 semis, and if you cannot fit all your stuff into the semis, don't worry about it. We'll provide you a new bed here. Brand new mattress. You don't have to worry about your provisions. Just, you know, hurry on back home. Don't worry about, you know, transportation. We're, we're offering you a new position, and we're also providing, you know, relocation fees is the idea, right? And so they go back. Then the sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them carts according to the command of Pharaoh, and he gave them provisions for the journey. He gave to all of them, to each man, changes of garments, but to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of garments. Then he sent his to his father these things, ten donkeys loaded with the good things of Egypt, and ten, ten female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and food for his father for the journey. So he sent his brothers away, and they departed, and he said to them, See that you do not become troubled along the way. 
Joseph seems to encourage his brothers to pursue God's provision. Some people think that the idea here is that he's telling them don't fight on the way. I really don't think that's what he's telling them to do. Because why would they fight? They would fight if they haven't really changed. And the point of the passage is these men have changed. These men are different men. I think the idea is God has provided. Take encouragement in God's gracious provision and don't fear. I mean, imagine you're leaving Egypt, there's a famine, <clears throat> nobody has food, and here are a bunch of semis with you know a meager band of 11 men guarding them heading back to Canaan with donkeys full of the best things from Egypt. What would you be tempted to do? I'd be tempted to be troubled about the possibility of actually getting home at this point. Like, I'd be like, you know, uh, I think we'll be fine. We'll just take it in small groups and uh, we won't bring any of our stuff. We'll just allow you to provide everything brand new when we get here. That way we don't have to risk anything being lost. I think what Joseph is doing is he's saying, God's provided up to this point. God will continue to provide. Don't live in fear. Continue to walk by faith. Continue to pursue that same change that we've seen. Don't revert. Don't stop walking by faith. And so the brothers go back to their father. And they went out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to Jacob, their father, and they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive, and he is governor over all of the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still, because he did not believe them. When they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. Then Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive, and I will go and see him before I die. God has provided. God has worked about great change. God has used trials for his ultimate good. And that is what God wants to do in your life and in my life. We experience trials for God to use them for his honor and for his glory. And so God uses trials in our lives. And so while you experience the trial that you're going through right now, or while you go through the next trial, God is somehow using that to work about his eternal plan. And while it can be so easy for us to throw our hands up in the air in the midst of that trial and just despair of life itself, right? That's not how God wants us to respond to the trial. He wants us to continue to walk by faith, to continue to pursue Him, and live in obedience to what we know. And as we do that, He reveals Himself and His character and His person and how He wants us to respond to Him to greater degrees. And so God is going to use trials in your life. But just like He did for the 11 brothers and just like He did for Joseph, He's using those trials to bring about your eternal good. God has a purpose in your trials. And so as you go through them, it's not really your responsibility to look for the purpose. All things work together for good to those who love God, yes. But you may not know what that good is. Well, that, yes. But you may not know how exactly it works out. And so it's not necessarily your job to look for how it's going to work out. What it is your responsibility to do, though, is as you go through that trial to continue to live and pursue faithfulness as you know you should. And to the extent that you and I do that as we go through trials, God's purpose will be accomplished even if we never understand what it fully was. Maybe. Ralph, you want to click the last click? There we go. God's plan ultimately will produce good. 
That's what the passage is really saying. The brothers go through all sorts of crazy trials, but it produces good in their lives. These brothers who did not walk by faith, who did not pursue righteousness, who did not pursue God, at the end of the passage, are people who care about what God thinks. And they realize that God sees their iniquity, and they repent. And we know that they repented because when they have the opportunity to do the same thing to Benjamin that they did to Joseph 20 years earlier, they don't do it. If they'd wanted, they could have been like, too bad, Benjamin. Uh, we'll tell Daddy. That's not what they did in 44.13. Instead, they tear their clothes, they weep, and they pack up all their stuff, and they go back to Egypt to try and make a final plea for their brother's return. There's real change. And Joseph says, the trial that you put me in, well, I didn't like it produced good. I've been able to physically provide for the needs of millions of people by the wisdom that God gave me. The trials that you and I go through, we're going to go through them. They have a purpose, and that purpose will produce good. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. <coughs> Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank While we go through those trials, that ultimately you are going to work out your good in the midst of those. We pray that we would be willing to trust you in the midst of our trials, or in the midst of the trials that we will go through. And that as we do that, that we would walk by faith, and that we would pursue the good that you are going to produce in them. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.